transition complete. Good morning and welcome. This is the Sunday after Easter. Easter is a word that we use so very, very commonly. And unfortunately, it doesn't really say anything to what the day is really all about. Easter is Resurrection Day. This is the day in which Jesus, after going to the cross for you and for me, rose again from the dead, conquering death. And we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But that's what Easter is. And Easter, or Resurrection Day, try to get that word out of my mouth, Resurrection Day is one of the most important Sundays in the year because it gives us the opportunity to focus once again on what the Lord has done for us. It puts flesh, if I can use the term, flesh to the verse that we all memorized for God so loved the world because that's where it all is. For God so loved the world that he gave, G-A-V-E, gave his only son. And that is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. And that's what it heralds. Now, I've been thinking about holidays. And holidays are really kind of interesting because we we get all wrapped up and you name the holiday. And I'll include Christmas in this. Probably Christmas is probably, excuse me, I'll carefully say this, the worst of all. We get all wrapped up in the trappings of the day. We hang the lights on the house. We buy a tree. We, we do the Christmas list for, well, let's see, this is the, these are the people who get cards. And these are the people who get cards and gifts. And these are the people that, well, we'll give them a gift, but we won't give them a card. And then a little later on, as cards start coming in, we say, oh, they never even made the list. Now I have to edit my list. Am I talking to anybody in the room right now? Etc. Etc. And then we get who's coming to dinner, or I haven't been invited to dinner, and we are now to the point, Shirley and I, that we'd really like to be invited to dinner as opposed to Shirley doing the grand thing that she's been doing uh, the 49 years. Oh, I didn't wasn't going to mention our anniversary coming up next week. But uh, anyway, we really appreciate it when my son invites us down. Uh, he's basically the only one that's close enough in town uh, that invites us to dinner. And so it's all set up. And last week, uh, as I began the message, and if some of you were here, uh, I talked about <clears throat> the commercialism. And I, commercialism just drives me absolutely up a wall. We have Memorial Day mattress sales. We have Fourth of July. Uh, if you don't buy a Chevy today, you know you're you're in sin for sure, et cetera, et cetera. Well, just before I came to church last week, I saw a commercial on television, and the commercial said the joy of Easter is to be found when you have. That golden chocolate, golden wrapped chocolate egg, you'll really have the joy of Easter. And I put my hand up like this because I didn't have the egg. The bunny. The bunny. Thank you. It, 
got to be accurate here because later on I might, you know, that's called, what, lying under oath or whatever. Anyway, so I had my hand up like this. Well, somebody in the audience last week uh, decided that that was wrong. That was wrong that I could put my hand up and, and but everybody knew exactly what I was talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about now and all you see is my hand? I think you probably do. Well, we happened to have invited her to dinner and she brought this bag and she said, I have a special gift for the pastor. And so I unwrapped the gift. And here it is. I now have the real joy of Easter. But right now, I'm kind of wondering how long that joy will last. And if I, you know, it's getting into the season. We've already broken 100 degrees a couple of times. This is a very fragile joy. But it wasn't it wonderful that somebody uh, would give me the bunny for that purpose. Bunny, see, I said it this time. Uh, give me the bunny. <laughs> Uh, in light of what I had said. And I put all of that on today's tape so that those that listened to last week's tape know what I'm talking about. Or Anyway, there it is. So there's the very, this is the joy. I have the joy of Easter. And I have physical proof right here. Call uh, Linden and they'll tell you that that's true. And I'm going to set that right here so that you can visualize it for the whole service. <clears throat> but the thing about holidays, the thing about holidays is almost without exception, the day after the holiday, we do what? Oh, man, am I glad we got through another one. Now I got to plan on taking the lights off the house. Some people don't get those off until March. And so... If they're, if they're red enough, you can leave them up for Valentine's Day and lie and say that's why they're there. But anyway, it's, oh, boy, am I glad we got through another one. Be it Christmas, be it any other holiday, Fourth of July, oh, all of those barbecues. If I ever, ever see another hot dog, oh, no, please, it just can't be. And then we turn right around and what do we do? There's no holidays in August. Maybe, yes, there are. There's at least five that I can think of. And they're called birthdays for hubblers. We have birthdays in, we have five birthdays in August. Uh, that's not a preview, although I'll probably say it again at another time. But there we are. But Easter, Resurrection Day, is different. And the reason that it's different is because it's not looking for the bunny or the egg or the uh, jelly beans or any of the trappings of the secular Easter, but it's seeing flesh and blood proof that the Lord Jesus Christ is who he said he was and is. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. This is an exciting day. This is another day. This is, this is a day in which I can celebrate 
the very thing that we were talking about last week if we forget about the bunny. This is the day. But it hasn't always been that way. And sometimes, probably there's some of us in the room, even myself included, that uh, felt the same way that the disciples did after Easter. So, in Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read a few verses. You're familiar verses. There's nothing uh, strange about, different about these verses. But I want you to look at them in the context of what we're talking about. There we go. Luke chapter 24 is hard to find because I get to John chapter 1 so often. Here we go. I found it. Beginning in verse 13. Luke chapter 24 verse 13. This is after he's been laid in the sepulcher and Mary has come and seen that the tomb is empty and and, and all of that business. And verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day. Two of who? Two of the people that had been to the empty tomb, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, or about a mile from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and we're talking about Sunday day, resurrection day day. Got that part? Now we're all set. And it came to pass that while they were communing together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. For some reason, as they looked at this person that showed up, they didn't recognize him as being Jesus. That's what that verse says. And he said to them, he being Jesus, what manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? Why are you so sad? What's wrong? And one of them, whose name was Clevis, answered and said, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Haven't you heard and known the things which have come to pass these last days? And then verse 19, Jesus once again said, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God, and all the people. The highlight of that verse is the word was. And we skip right over it when we read. Was. Was is past tense. Was is no more. I was a teacher in desert sands. I was, well, I not was a marine. I'm still a marine. So I can't do that one. But you got the idea. I know there's people here that are, they were nurses. I was a nurse. How many years ago before I retired? I was. I'm no longer. I was. They don't retire either, do they? My brace is. Shame on. There it is. Okay. Was. Don't forget that word. Because that's the important word for what we're talking about today. There we go. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. So we get a little synopsis of. Passion Week, don't we? And there it is. But we trusted that it had been he which should have been, should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, uh, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels which said, 
he was alive. Think about that for a moment. There were a whole bunch of people that sat around the cross and watched him die. And watched him hauled down off of that rugged cross. And going through the uh, ritual that one goes through uh, for a dead body. And of course there was a rush because it was just before uh, uh, Passover, or not Passover, uh, before Sabbath, etc., etc. And I don't want to go into that today. So people knew, people saw the body, people saw what was going on. People saw the, the hurried uh, grave clothes that were placed upon the dead body of that person, Jesus of Nazareth. And when they found not his body, they came saying, verse 23, that they had also seen a vision of angels which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Verse 25, Jesus speaking, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, we did this last week, and there's some beautiful charts in some of your Bibles that talk about all of the prophecies that are fulfilled in what we call Passion Week. And if you go back and you read the prophets, now that means going back into the Old Testament. And so now here we're talking about Jews that are really devout Jews, uh, do synagogue every week, etc., etc. They know the prophets, but they miss the word. They've missed the message. They missed the message. No, he's not the one. Yes, God is going to send the Messiah, but he's not the one. And when I think all the way back to Exodus, I do know that there was those kinds of words before. We've been praying for a deliverer for over a hundred years. We've been praying for a deliverer, deliverer to get us out of Egypt, to get us away from this slavery that we've been in. And Moses shows up. He ain't the one. He's not the one. Moses had to fight for his position. Read carefully the Exodus account of Moses coming to leadership of this unruly mob called the nation Israel. But here we have the risen Lord. And so we ask ourselves, what's this risen Lord business all about. Okay, he did the deed. He came and he showed that he could do some miracles, which basically gave him uh, credentials, gave him bona fides, we could call them. And then he rose, he, he did the Lazarus thing in John chapter 11. And he then went to the cross and he died and he rose again. And isn't that just so wonderful? And it is. And we don't want to knock that. And he said, it's finished on the cross. What was finished? All the prophecy is fulfilled, except that which had to be fulfilled after he was physically dead. Because not only did he say it's finished, but then he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then what does the scripture tell us? He physically died. So it's finished. I have relatives 
that have died. It's done. Physically, it's done for my mother, for my father, for others. And you stick your people in there. It's done physically. It is. But what's this everlasting life about? What's this eternal life all about? What's this business you shall never die all about? That's the separation between physical and spiritual. Spiritual is forever. Physical is temporal. Temporal means a little bit of time. I can't believe how old I am. I can remember when I was a kid and I was I was wondering, do you know how old I'll be in the year 2000? I remember asking myself that. And I'd have been 50-something, I think. Uh, when I, and I, You've got to be kidding me. I'll never make it that far. Did you ever have that thought? And here we are in 20, what is, it, what is this? 2019, right? 2019. And I'm, how? well, you do the math. I'm tired of it. Uh, but there it is. There it is. I'm looking forward to my 50th wedding anniversary. That's next year. Be ready. I won't mention it again. Now, there's a lie right here in front of you. But <clears throat> I'm going to be a year older for that one. And I plan on being here for that. There's no, I can't think of a reason why I won't be. But that's physical. I just marvel at the story that Rosie told this morning about her sister. We expected Carol to be dead, flat out. She was just that close to it. Stem cell and all of that business. And she said she's got a new birthday. And she said she can't remember ever having a disease. Her body doesn't remember. Her mind remembers. Oh, yeah, I had the measles when I was six. Uh, her body doesn't remember. She has a brand new body. Give me a break. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. What a miracle. A miracle of Easter. The miracle of Easter that we hear uh, today about this little girl that we've been praying for for months. Born to a drug addicted mother. Very definitely addicted, her, addicted herself. Now a year old and doing very, very well. And it looks as though that her physical prospects as far as being brought up properly and, and not being brought into that culture and all of that business are very, very bright. That's a miracle. That's a miracle that you have wrought because you and I, we have been praying for that little girl, for that family, for that situation. That's what the ministry of the risen Christ is all about. The risen Christ clarifies emotions. It doesn't leave clouded ideas like the two fellows on the road to Emmaus that I just read about. Now, it was. There's no was. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus Jesus never was. Jesus has always been. Even from the foundations of the earth, Jesus existed. God existed. Because in the first verse of the Bible, that all of us probably can quote at least the first four or five words, in the beginning, God created. Well, so here's the beginning. And here's God over here. 
doing, creating at the beginning. You know, get your physical mind wrapped around that. That's God. And God is in eternity. He rose again. That's what the, that's what the resurrection is so important for. To show us that He is eternal. And that He has promised me to be with Him for all of eternity if I've accepted Him as my personal Savior. I'm going to ask Rosie to come up. Rosie's going to read something to you. Gives you an idea of the work that Jesus is doing in your life even today. It's in here if you want to use it. Okay. Watch this transition. Aren't we smooth? The reading is called The Room. In that place between wakefulness and dreams, I found myself in the room. There were no distinguishing features save for one wall covered with small index card files which stretched from floor to ceiling and seemingly endlessly in either direction. As I drew near the wall of files, I first the first to catch my attention was one that read, People I have liked. I opened it and began flipping cards. I quickly shut it, shocked, to realize that I recognized the names written on each one. And then, without being told, I knew exactly where I was. The lifeless room, with its small files was a crude catalog system for my life. Here were written the actions of every moment, big and small, in a detail my memory couldn't match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror stirred within me as I began randomly opening files and exploring their content. Some brought joy and sweet memories, others a sense of shame and regret so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anybody was watching. A file named Friends was next to one called Friends I Have Betrayed. The titles ranged from the mundane to the outright weird, books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given, jokes I've laughed at. Some were almost hilarious in their exactness, things I've yelled at my brothers, things I couldn't, couldn't laugh at things I've done in my anger, things I have muttered under my breath to my parents. I never ceased to be surprised by the contents. Often there were many more cards than I expected, sometimes fewer than I hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the life I had lived. Could it be possible that I had had the time in my short life to write each one of these thousands or even millions of cards, but each card confirmed the truth. Each was written in my own handwriting and signed with my signature. When I came to the file marked Lustful Thoughts, I felt a chill run through my body. I pulled the file out, only an inch, not willing to test its size, and drew out a card. 
I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick to think that such a moment had been recorded. An almost animal rage broke on me. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them. In an insane frenzy, I yanked the file out. Its size didn't matter now. I had to empty it and burn the cards. But as I took it at one end and began pounding it on the floor, I could not dislodge a single card. I became desperate and pulled out a card only to find it as strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its slot. Leaning my forehead against the wall, I let out a long, self-pitying sigh. And then I saw it. The title bore people I have shared the gospel with. The handle was brighter than those around it, newer, almost unused. I pulled on its handle, and a small box, not more than three inches long, fell into my hands. I could count the cards it contained on one hand. And then the tears came. I began to weep, sobs so deep that the hurt started in my stomach and shook through me. I fell on my knees and cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming shame of it all. My rows of file shelves swirled in my tear-filled eyes. No one must ever, ever know of this room. I must lock it up and hide the key. But then as I pushed away the tears, I saw him. Oh, no, please, not him, not here. Oh, anyone but Jesus. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and read the cards. I couldn't bear to watch his response, and in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw a sorrow deeper than my own. He seemed to go intuitively to the worst boxes. Why did he have to read every one? Finally, he turned and looked at me from across the room. He looked at me with pity in his eyes, but this was a pity that didn't anger me. I dropped my head, covered my face with my hands, and began to cry again. He walked over and put his arm around me, but he didn't say a word. He could have said so many things. He just cried with me. Then he got up and walked back to the wall of files. Starting at one end of the room, he took out a file and one by one began to sign his name over mine on each card. No, I shouted, rushing to him. All I could find to say was no, no, as I pulled the card from him. His name shouldn't be on those cards, but there it was written in red, so rich, so dark, so alive. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written with his blood. He gently took the card back. He smiled a sad smile and began to sign the cards. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly, but the next instant it seemed I heard him close the last file and walk back to my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder and said, It is finished. I stood up, and he led me out of the room. There was no lock on the door. There were still cards 
to be written. Another smooth There might be people in the room that don't know what an index card is. That's old. That's old. So I want to update this just a little bit and see if you don't see the similarities for 2019. Here I have in my hand a data disk. And you know how much information this black, filthy data disk has on it. This is my data disk. I call it my SIN disk. Uh, and all this particular disk has on it is an outline, a table of contents, if you were, of all of the things that might have been written on all of those data cards that might have been written so many years ago. But, of course, we've updated everything. Everything's on computer now. And so there's a whole library of these black disks that contain the material uh, that I have just as soon not anyone see. But what has been happened is somebody's printed out just, just a summary of the things in my sin book. Notice the color. Uh, this is Martin Hubbard's sin book, and it's just the beginning of the things that are contained herein. And we can go on and on and on, but there's enough here for us to see that Martin Hubbler deserves to be condemned. The wages of sin is, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, uh, is death. But the scripture goes on to say that but the gift of God is eternal life. So as Jesus is there looking at this material, he takes out that first page of the summary and in bold letters in his blood, he writes his name. And basically says that this material is no more because I don't remember it. So you don't have to remember it. And as a matter of fact, you can go to the computer now and I didn't do anything to it, but it looks as though the hard drive has been acid washed because there's nothing there anymore. Your sins have been completely eradicated. How can I say that? Because I took all of these sins, Martin Hubbler, I took them with me to Golgotha, to Calvary. And they hung on the cross with me for those hours in which I took upon myself the sin of the world. This merely indicates how expansive that is. Because I've done that for every single person if they but what? Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. And I'll tell you what. Even before I went to the cross, I provided for you something that helps you to remember exactly what I've done. And it's right here. Because at that Last Supper, 
Remember what I said? I said, this is my body which is given for you. I took the cup and I said, this is the New Testament, the new promise in my blood. And as you drink it and as you eat it, you do this in remembrance of me. And he's talking in terms of what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then three days after that. So we have, we now have, as we conclude our message today, the opportunity of revisiting the very gift that he's provided. I'll ask the gentleman to come up. I put this cup on the table, and I do this every month. This cup is a representation of the wrath of God. This cup is a representation of all of the sin, all of those terrible, nasty little things that we saw on the data disk, that we saw in all those, if you know what index cards are, all of those things. And you can close your eyes and without a hesitation come with a half a dozen of them that belong to you. And it's for those things that Jesus said the wages of sin is death. And the wrath of God is to be poured out on those that have not accepted me. And if you read in the Revelation, you find out exactly what the wrath of God looks like. I recommend it to you. Read it. That's what's in the cup. And Jesus has taken this cup, poured all of that upon himself at the cross, and substituted this cup. This is the New Testament. Gentlemen, you go ahead and pass out the elements. This is the New Testament in my blood. And what is the testament? What is the promise? The promise is those that accept me. Those that will believe on me and believe that God loves us so much that he's willing to forgive us whatever it is we've done. Whatever it is we've done. That's why you've got those walls and walls of data cards with all the nasty stuff on it. A couple of the good things too. Or those data disks if we go into the 21st century. And so every time that we celebrate, and we celebrate on the last Sunday of the month, every time that we celebrate, we need to draw ourselves back to that day. Back to Resurrection Day. Because that's when it's really finished. Because not only is the physical thing finished on the cross, Jesus died. But Jesus rose again on the third day. Where he does what? Right now, he's busy signing his name. Page after page. Disc after disc. Washing hard drive after hard drive. You know, however you want to put it. So that we can say that I, Martin Hubbler, am now as clean and white as the driven snow. And so as I take the cup, and as I take the bread, I do in remembrance, because that's what he told me to do. As I love him so much, do this in remembrance of me, remember what I'm doing, 
Remember what I've done. Don't just remember it now. Isn't that a neat way to end the service today? But remember it every single moment, every single breath, every single thought should be covered in the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my purpose, my physical purpose in life now is to serve him. And he wants for me one thing and one thing alone. And that's for me to take him and share it with someone else. That's it. So how many of those data cards that Rosie talked about have you got filled up? And we're not doing, we're not keeping score. If you've got one, praise God from whom all blessings flow. If you have ten, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Kind of the physical hero of physical heroes, Billy Graham said in his one of his last books, all I want from Jesus when I get there is for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So we take the bread and we take the cup and we do this in remembrance of him. Let's pray. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, as we consume today, let us not think in terms of the physical, but think in terms of the eternal and think of you, remembering you in order that we might draw closer to you even as I continue to draw these earthly breaths. I thank you and I praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And we did eat and we did drink. So this is the Sunday after Resurrection Day. Every day is Resurrection Day because every day is the opportunity for another person, another person to come to the realization that Jesus Christ is there for them. And you have the great joy of being the one to present that gift to them. Not wrapped in a Christmas bow, not in a yellow Easter bag, certainly not a gold wrap candy bar. Uh, it's already a week old, plus shelf life. I'm not, anyway, you got the idea. But Jesus is eternal. Jesus isn't going to melt when it's 110 here pretty soon. Neither are you. You might think you are, but you won't. So go. Walk through those doors today anewed, renewed in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do this in remembrance of me every day. Every day. And amen.